Welcome to the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast, where we don't take from insurance companies. Here are your hosts, Mr. Jordan Comstock and Mr. Ben Tuinay. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Say No to PPO's podcast series. This is the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Tuinay. Today, we're doing Without Jordan Comstock. Jordan and I have been extremely busy. It's our both our busiest travel seasons of the year. We're both out speaking at various different organizations, study clubs, uh, vendors, as well as associations across the country. So Jordan does send his apologies. Can't be on the call with us today due to a, a commitment out of the state of Utah. But folks, thanks for joining us today. We have an excellent guest with us and one, uh, an exciting topic that we're going to be talking about today. But I'd like to just get into our guest here first. We got Logan Jack on the phone. Logan, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Very well. Welcome to the show. And uh, we're excited to have you. I spoke with you a couple, well, maybe a month ago. And uh, I was connected to you through a good friend of mine, uh, Travis Russell. And for those of you that are listening, Travis Russell does all of the marketing for Brady Frank. Uh, Dr. Brady Frank runs a, a practice where he runs a number of practices, but his primary location up in Medford, Oregon, it's a booming practice. They uh, sometimes get uh, three to 400 patients, new patients a month. And this is in a, a community that I consider rural. Uh, so uh, Travis does all their marketing and Travis recommended that I talk to Logan because Logan's background is awesome. I think you and I, Logan, have a very similar background in terms of how we got started in dentistry and how we evolved into building our own private businesses. So do you mind taking a minute here just to explain to the listeners your background, how you got started in dentistry, who you work for on the DSO side, and how that kind of morphed into you building your own companies? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Uh, so for the last 16 years, in one aspect or another, I've been in you can call it practice management, consulting, uh, whichever word you want to use. Um, I've worked and started my career a long time ago back with Whitehall Management. I've worked um, in a number of other consulting companies between then and now. Um, I did work with Travis as well um, prior to um, what he's doing currently. Um, I started a consulting company about 10 years ago with a dentist out of uh, Houston. Um, some people may know him, may not, but we started a consulting company called Quantum Leap Success in Dentistry. I worked there with him and helped him start and build that consulting company. Um, in 2000 and the end of 2011, he moved me to, convinced me to move my family uh, from Arizona to Houston. Moved out there and ran his DSO for him. Uh, called Major Smile Dental. We went from he had th he had just the, the third practice had just opened uh, at that time. Uh, there was no corporate office, no call center. Um, the third office and the second office were you know five ops. They they hadn't expanded beyond that yet. So it wasn't at its complete infancy, but it was it was still pretty new, pretty young. Uh, DSO. Prior to starting a consulting company, I was actually uh, the consultant for Dr. Kessner. So I helped him in his per practice personally, and then he had presented and said, let's start, a, let's start a consulting company and let's do it better. Um, so anyway, I moved out there and I, in 2011, 2012, and started working for him on the DSO side of things. Um, so for the last six years, I've been 
you know, neck deep in, in some instances, chaos, and in some instances, uh, absolute victory. Yeah. Um, we did very well a lot of those years. Um, you know, we, we grew fast. Um, we created a specialty department that consisted of an endodontist and oral surgeon, a prosthodontist, a periodontist, um, and they would travel around to our locations. We created a call center, or a corporate office, um, that we had all of the phone calls for the entire company would come through there. We would answer all the phone calls. We did central billing there, posting payments. All the checks came to one location. So what I did was we, we centralized as much of it as I could through a remote service to these offices so I could manage it. It's very difficult to manage 12 or 13 locations if you're having to you know, run to 12 different locations to sure. listen to how the phones are answered, etc. Yeah. And so it made it a lot easier. And uh, we were very, very, very productive, very profitable, very big. Um, and then the beginning of this year, I left that company and uh, have started my own. Um, priorities in my life have switched quite a bit. You know, I'm spending more time at home with my family and, and less time on the clock, uh, which was a really important and, and determining factor in why um, I left. And... Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I started, um, I actually have um, three different entities that I work, or that I've started and I'm working with and, and building. One is a company called New Smiles. Uh, another one is Logan Jack Dental Services or LJ Dental Services and then Logan Jack Consulting. Cool. No, that, that, so. Yeah, that's cool. I um, Gosh, Quantum Leap, I, I do recall and know of the, the, the firm. Um, as a matter of fact, I think there was a gentleman, do you, does Art Deedon ring a uh, bell? Yep. I hired Art. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. And, and d did he branch off to a different, uh, company later or does he still work there? He still, I believe he still works there. At least he did as of February. Um, and, um, he had relocated and I think had got remarried or something and, and, um, is slowing down yeah uh, at least the last time i talked to him he was he was <laughs> he wasn't wanting to work so hard anymore cool well hey if art if you're listening to this uh hello there sir <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but no that's cool i a lot of the listeners like to know the why like why why what motivated you to move from dso to private uh running your own business a big it's a good, great question a big part of why I left DSO was it became and, and kind of it started out very pure, um, and I will give Dr. Kessner as much credit as, as humanly possible. And he had a location in Sugarland and grew that and was very productive, very profitable. Um, and I've been in practices, hundreds of practices all over the country in my life. And you know, I would um, go and visit him there as he was my client, and it was very different. It was. Um, they had insurance, there were no HMOs, no DMOs, no capitation plans or Medicaid, anything like that. They had some PPO uh, networks that they were part of. But when you walked into it, it felt like, um, I mean, it was different than what you would typically feel in dentistry. The, the synergy, the, the team, the motivation, the, the whole focus and drive and push was, was unlike anything I had seen you know, in all these offices that I had been to. Yeah. And so we ended up replicating that and, and copying it. But what happened is, is is when we hit about the seventh office, 
and this is my opinion, it started to deteriorate. Um, it became much more difficult to get associates. It became much more difficult to control the quality um, of everything, uh, the quality of the relationship that I had with my team members and my employees, the relationship uh, between our company and our office and our patients. Uh, it became much, much more difficult to manage. Interesting. Why, and, why, why is that? Why do you think that, that occurred after the seventh location? I think part of it is, is, is the best way I kind of explain it is, you know, the further you get away from the ground and the daily operations of, a, of an individual private practice, um, the harder it is to hold on to those core um, systems or those core philosophies or principles or um, the things that got you there to begin with. Uh, and I've seen that in my career in dentistry. I've seen that happen to two or three other companies that I've worked with. Um, almost kind of like growing too big too fast. Yeah. And um, and though you know Major Small is still healthy, it's still up and running. It became something I couldn't be part of anymore. I just didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to keep doing that. I couldn't give up time with my kids. Um, I went through a divorce in I think 2015, and and it it cost me a lot. That oh. um, got a lot of experience from it and made yeah. a lot of money, but um, it turned into something that was very 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 difficult to manage and control. And I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing a lot of DSOs popping up everywhere. Um, most of the people I talk to have two or three locations or more. And I think everybody has this this vision of I'm going to get two, three, four, one and point two times earnings uh, when I loop all these things together and, and sell them. Um, and, you know, I can't speak on that. I personally haven't been part of that. I haven't seen or, or been personally involved with um, that payout. But um, I believe that's a big part of what's driving doctors to these DSOs and these group practices. I've seen many group practices hit the four location mark and experience what you experience with the seventh location <clears throat> where the operational inefficiencies start to settle in. And that's simply because it's a function of resources and management. You know, when you don't have enough uh, key executives and boots on the ground and to carry forth your vision. It just becomes very, very extremely difficult to manage. Very few groups out there I know of that have multiple, like beyond 20 locations and things seem to be running okay. I think there's been a shift in the DSO model. I haven't heard the phrase MSO, Management Service Organization, in years. Um, but essentially, in my opinion, that's what DSOs are morphing into is becoming more of management service organizations and letting doctors run the clinical in an effort to have a good fine balance between the two aspects of the practice, the clinical aspect and and the business aspect of the practice. And so it's very interesting. I think what your exit of the DSO industry is very similar to my exit. You know, I, I used to run a $50 million group practice and I was over everything insurance. <clears throat> we went from one large location in the next six months to seven large locations and and running the insurance alone was a nightmare. A lot of people said, man, you should be the CEO because what you deal with on a daily basis is basically everything. <laughs> you know, you're, you're dealing with $49 million that touches the insurance companies or at least comes through insurance or through a patient that has insurance in, in the form of their out of pocket. But what I, what I've learned through that massive growth process that is that, 
there there are better ways. I mean, to me, in my history of of uh, my son not getting access to to the best clinical, well, not being offered the best clinical care as a result of a group that was just very large, you know, focusing mm. too much on the bottom line rather than focusing on the, the needs of the patient. And, and I don't say that to discount what some of these dentist DSO owners are trying to do. I think many of them, for the most most part, have the greatest intent. You know, they have the right vision in place and figuring out the inefficiencies as you grow, you know, that, that's that's a challenge. Correct. But but so so you created basically three different companies that address some of the needs that you've dealt with at the DSO. Is that right? Correct. And most people, when they know or they hear about you know uh, Dr. Mike Kessner or Quantum Leap, Denmat pops into their head. Um, he's on faculty, I believe. He's still on there. Teaches for Denmat. Um, for most of those years, we at, at Major Smile did more Lumineers than anybody on Earth. Um, and so it, we were selling Lumineers like hotcakes and um, got very good at that. Um, and that was one of our, one of his, one of my approaches to uh, dealing with this insurance, the poor reimbursement and, and all that was trying to generate some, some cosmetic procedures that would um, that were affordable, that we could sell, you know, minimal prep veneers. I, I kind of get in the habit of using the word lumineer. It's a minimal prep veneer. Um, a lot of offices um, have had trouble with Denmat products or porcelain or, or a combination of the two. Um, going and working with, uh, you know, other labs, there's a lot of labs that do minimal prep veneers. And so it was one attempt and, and one avenue we took to try to compensate for the the poor re, um, insurance reimbursements and we saw it and it was when we centralized it it became I became more sensitive sensitive to it I've always known what our write-offs were I always knew how bad the insurance companies were taking advantage of us but when we centralized it in, at, at such a bigger level like that you know one percentage point is hundreds of thousands of dollars and um, and so when all of a sudden you're starting to see it, it, it really makes it real. Um, but one of, a, one of the aspects of what sells and what helped us sell so many Lumineers was they, their version is called the Lumi Smile. And it's basically a before and after photo uh, system or process that you can do very quick, very efficiently, that can deliver um, a patient a picture of what they would look like now whether that picture is printed or put on the monitor in the operatory or handed to them and pulled up on an iPad uh, there's a few different ways that you can do that but the main thing was for the patient not to be seeing before and after pictures on the wall of someone else or some beautiful woman or some beautiful man that looks nothing like them right um, with perfect teeth it was them you know this is what you're currently look like and this is what you would look like with veneers with bleaching with um, lumineers whatever it was the cosmetic procedure and so it allowed us to see and to judge and, and to get that initial reaction to see who's interested um, as we know in, in dentistry most people um, don't have money for dentistry they have money for what they want but they don't have money for dentistry and I had there was an experience a long time ago I worked with a client out in uh, Carothersville Missouri and I'm in the middle of nowhere, probably one of the lowest um, median incomes in the country. And, you know, there was maybe a Walmart and a tractor supply, little small town. 
and I'm standing here listening to this doctor do an exam, and he has this Medicaid patient in there, and, and you know, she's getting ready to do a denture or something or a partial, and was complaining about, I don't have any money, I don't have money for my copay, I don't have money for my patient portion, just, you know, singing a sad song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I go on, I move on to another operatory, and as I'm listening uh, to other things that are going on in the office, I see her go up to the front to get checked out and, and to get her treatment plan. And then I'm talking with Dr. Boyd, and this <laughs> dental assistant comes in and says, Dr. Boyd, what do we charge? What's the lab fee for gold? And, you know, he asks some questions. Well, what is it for? And she's like, well, let me ask you this question first. Can we put gold tooth on a denture? <laughs> and I went, wait, what? And I go, I go, hang on, hang on, hang on. I missed something here. And I mm-hmm. go, is it that lady that was just in here? And she goes, yeah. And I go, she's asking what? And she goes, she wants to put gold, a gold tooth on this denture. And we need to know, you know, Julie's asking, what do we charge? What's the upcharge for that? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there <laughs> trying to comprehend this. And that's when I really understood that, you know, patients, they have money for what they want. Now, he told her, he said, well, you know what? I don't want to do that. So, and he gave her some fee. I don't even remember what it was, you know, 800 bucks or something. Right. So, right. he throws some number out there. Lady rips into her purse, pulls out a wad of cash that is bigger than any wad of cash I've had in my pocket. <laughs> And starts throwing money down for this gold tooth on a partial or a denture. And at that point, I realized something that I think was very valuable, which is patients, if they don't want it, they're never going to have money for it or it's going to be much more difficult. And so in the in the sales process and, and getting patients to commit to any type of treatment, whether it's preventative or, or restorative or cosmetic, um, when we get them to feel the need or the desire to do it, we become much more effective at that. And so we found that these, this photo system, this photo process did that. Um, it was quick. Is it perfect? No. Is it an exact? This is exactly what you're going to look like? Absolutely not. It's what you could look like. It's kind of typical results. Uh, and not everybody's a candidate for all those types of things. And so, But what it did is it allowed us to... Uh, sell lumineers or minimal prep veneers like hotcakes and we emotionally connected then over the years my experience is once again my experience only um, things have changed a lot there um, most of the clients that I work with actually every uh, one of the clients I work with now has done or has participated in that lumineer program at one time or another they all came to me and said Logan I don't want to keep paying this fee I don't like Denmats porcelain I want to send my stuff to Glidewell or to Da Vinci or wherever and but I need the photo system so I I hit the ground and I went trying to find there's software you can buy. You can buy yeah, a software yeah. program that you can install and do it yourself, which is fine if you have more assistance than you know what to do with um, that can sit there and fiddle with teeth in Photoshop all day. So what happens is is that the offices, I've ran into a few offices that have that, and some of them make it work and they say, well, it works really well until that employee gets pregnant or until you have to let her go. And <laughs> then it sits there for a while until someone else gets retrained in it. And so... I came in to a, um, uh, an opportunity to set up and to start a company that does the same thing. What's different about it is, is there's not a, we're not associated with any lab. It's not a, 
you know, they, the stuff goes to Denmat. The pictures don't say lumineers on them. They can be full prep veneers if that's what you like. They can be minimal prep veneers if that's what you like. Uh, ortho, single tooth versus – so it's much more diverse than the typical um, – Lumi Smile program or the Lumineers program, um, and it's for a third of the cost. Um, and so, very efficient, very easy way to quickly get a. Here's what you could look like. Here's what you could look like. Um, yeah, yeah. Which which really complements those questions that most of your doctors are probably asking their patients. Is there anything you'd like to change about your smile? Is there anything you don't like? Um, have you ever thought about changing the color of your teeth or the shape of your teeth? The same. We ask those questions for the same reason. We're trying to get them to. We're trying to see: is there something they don't like? So then we have an opportunity to correct that or solve that problem for them. I like that. I um, was at a car dealership a few months ago. Actually, about a year ago, and um, pretty neat experience that I had. These guys. Uh, I went in and I test drove a few cars and wasn't really wanting to buy a car. I mean, I had a very. I had a nice car back then. At the time, at, at the time, I thought I had a pretty cool car, but they had this make and model that I just had. Why well, I, I I went to test drive it because it was about 550 horsepower and had a, a a pretty nice body and it looked pretty good. And I test drove it and I come home and uh, these guys send me a, a photo of me in the car, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they said this could be yours. It could be in your garage. And then not too long later, the guy t- you know calls and me. Uh, uh, calls me and we we talk and stuff and I said hey I'm available at such and such time he's like where are you gonna be I said I'm gonna be home he drives the car to my house and uh, gives me a, a picture of the vehicle with me sitting in it doing the test drive and my wife drove it and uh, she fell in love with it but to me it was the emotional connection of seeing me in the vehicle not somebody else. You know, and that totally sold me on the fact that, you know what, not only am I going to buy this vehicle because it's a great vehicle, but because these guys have, they've taught me a great lesson about customer service. They taught me a great lesson about sales, about the psychology behind giving you the before and after when it's you in that photo and not somebody else. Because that's what you see on Facebook. That's what you see in the offices. You know, the the most dental offices have... Um, a flip through uh, photo album and it's before and after pictures of patients that had treatment and you don't really get the before and after of, uh, of you. And and that's pretty neat and pretty cool. I don't know personally many offices that do that. That's one of the reasons why I wanted you have on the, uh, have you on the podcast is because explain to us or the listeners when implementing this concept from your experience, what has that done to the practices in terms of PPO dependence, revenue cycles, case acceptance and all the good stuff that doctors want to know about. Absolutely. Well, it does it has a a really 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 powerful impact on it. Now, it's going to have a bigger impact depending on the diversity or the the number of cosmetic procedures the particular doc, doctor or office does. You know, some of my clients they'll do full prep veneers. They don't do bleaching anymore, you know, they're done with Zoom and all that kind of stuff. Um, some are tired of Invisalign, don't do ortho. It's, it kind of depends. Offices that have um, a cosmetic, uh, you know, crowns and, and um, veneers and uh, minimal prep veneers, along with ortho, along with bleaching, have a really, really powerful effect. Because if we present these photos to a patient, 
And I say, oh, okay, well, that, that's what I would like with veneers. Well, how much is that? Well, minimum prep veneers, um, even at a $725 per unit fee for a minimal prep, not a no prep, but a minimal prep, um, where they're typically not having to get into the Denton, um, and we can do that in a period of time of two hours or less, can turn about a $3,000 an hour profit after lab fees, after the staff is paid and the supplies, charging $725 a unit um, for you know eight units. And so there's a high profit in there. And what happens is is that you know we sit in the room and they they'll do crowns. So you know I get reimbursed from MetLife for Cigna for 700 bucks, 500 bucks, 600 dollars a crown. How many crowns do we have to do to be able to make even the three thousand um, dollars? Temporize, send patients home, uh, come back, seat the crown, multiple appointments, and um, it's very, very, very profitable to do those types of procedures. Um, most doctors, you know, that's what they want. You know, and most doctors I've ever walked into, they they say, "I want to do more cosmetic." How do I do more cosmetic? The cosmetic is more of a icing on the cake. It helps with profitability, which in turn allows us to then eliminate some of those, we'll call them bottom feeder, um, you know, those just real low bottom, uh, worst of the worst kind of PPOs, insurance plans. Yeah. And so what that did is, is was we were selling more and more Lumineers, we were able to dump some of those programs at the bottom where we really weren't making any money, but yet we needed to. We it, So it helped wean us off of um, being that dependent. We're still dependent on the insurance company. A lot of offices... Um, it's a process. You can't just do that overnight. But what it does is it really starts to generate a different type of conversation in your office. Most of the time, most doctors say, well, I'm not looked at as a cosmetic dentist in town. And it's typically because you don't do much of it. Um, that's, where the, that's where the money's at. <laughs> exactly. I mean, endodontists are great at root canals. Why? Because it's, it's all they do. Um, if all you did was cosmetic procedures, chances are about every dentist out there would get pretty good at it. Um, and so the more of these things that we did, the more direct cosmetic patient referrals we got, which our acquisition per new patient was about 465 bucks. So we were having to buy opportunity. Um, so we, didn't, we, couldn't, we couldn't afford to screw it up. Yeah. And so by bringing this, the, our profit margin in and increasing that and by also doing more cosmetic, we, we do lumineers or veneers on a, on a wife and then next thing you know, two weeks later, the husband would show up and say, now i got to get my teeth done because I look horrible. Um, you know, I didn't realize how bad my teeth looked until, you know, she came home with these. And so <laughs> what happened is, or, or they go home and next thing you know, two or three other ladies from their neighborhood or from their group, their friends, the next thing you know, you're, you're getting a lot of cosmetic referrals. Mm -hmm. And so um, depending on how the office is, is presenting and selling cosmetics, it can have a really big impact, especially if you know, we present a veneer case and they say, well, I can't do that. Well, you know what? In the meantime, let's go ahead and bleach your teeth because we can do that for 500 bucks. And the patient, hey, I can afford $500. So boom, we sold bleaching to a patient that really wanted veneers but just couldn't swing it. Right. I like that. You know, I, I, I like what you said about the, the, the wife coming home and then the, the husband wanted it. Man, you, we got to exploit the keeping up with the Joneses, Matt. I remember every time <laughs> in my neighborhood, the last neighborhood I lived in and the one before, um, my, we moved around a lot over the last five years trying to find our home office where we wanted to build it. Um, but every neighborhood, anytime I would buy a new car, 
my neighbors would buy one. <laughs> it's like, come on, man, you can't one up me. So this time I bought one that none of them could afford. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, try one up, one up, one up me now, man. But exactly. that is so true. I mean, um, I, I kind of like what you talk about in terms of the cosmetic income aspect of things, but. I mean, it's not just lumineers or veneers, right? It's it's crowns. I mean, a lot of doctors are thinking, well, what could I do the before and after for that person where most of the, the anterior case the work that you need to do on that patient is just a bunch of Emacs crowns, you know? Th so the key question is, as a PPO office, let's say I participate with a bunch of insurance companies. One of the things that you mentioned in, in that example with the patient that wanted the gold on, on the denture was the upgrade fee. What was the upgrade fee? A lot of doctors ask, if I'm participating with insurance and the veneer or the crown, the maximum allowable is, let's say, $700, but my lab fee for the Emax unit that I want on that interior case is $400, can I, can I do an upgrade? Can, can I legally charge the patient a surcharge for the cosmetic materials? Um, that's something that we teach on the podcast, too, but I wanted to get your take on that. If you've done that in the past, or what, what are your well, thoughts? Well, you know... We most the insurance companies that we were in network with. My personal hands-on experience with that is the insurance company is not going to pay for the veneers. Um, that's so that's got, true we, on the veneers. Yep. Yeah, we never we never presented and and told the patient that this is elective. This isn't a need. It's not a necessity. You know, you're not going to have a heart attack because you don't get veneers. Um, and so. With the, You're just going to look butt years. ugly for the rest of your life. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you know, you may not get remarried or whatever, but um, so that aspect was it was a push for uh, out of pocket. Um, then at that point, we so we weren't really upgrading them or upcharging them if it was restorative. And sometimes we would do what we would call a, a combo case. So it may be a three-unit bridge and... Um, you know, five units of minimal prep veneers or lumineers, whatever. And in that situation, we build out the three-unit bridge like a restorative procedure, mm -hmm. like you would. And we we accepted what the insurance paid, and we collected the patient portion, and then we charged the lumineer or the veneer fee on the others. And so, um, I've only seen or heard of one time where they've actually insurance companies actually paid for veneers. Um, and it's not firsthand. So by doing that, now a minimal prep veneer is still technically a veneer. Um, and so we can kind of fall under that category of you can charge what you need to. Now here's the problem. Most people don't sell a whole lot of veneers because of the cost. Right. You know, there's just not a lot of people running around with 30 grand in their pocket. And so when you can price them and get your, you know, find the right lab, um, Use the products that you can to support you selling and getting commitment from the patient, and then if you can make it as affordable as possible, you're going to move volume. And um, every year, over time, the the fee kept getting raised and raised and raised on these lumineers. And I laugh and joke about it now, and and I still think it's funny. But um, I'm the kind of person who would always ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Yeah. And so, not always a, a, the right thing to do, but in December, around the holidays, I wanted to finish the year strong. I wanted the offices to all get good bonuses. I wanted, I wanted, it was our last chance at closing out, whatever, 2017, 15, 18, whatever. And so, I would lower our Lumineer fee. 
and so we were charging $5,000 for eight units. And so it was really, really cheap. I would tell my office managers, but I got in trouble every year. Every January, it was, you know, why did you do that? Well, look, we sold twice as many. But, yeah, but we charged less. Well, we were still making a lot of money at $5,000. And so I think there's a, there's a financial price point or barrier that people have. Most cosmetic procedures, nose jobs, breast augmentation, liposuction, it's all LASIK. It's all under five grand or at or under. And I think the more we can keep things in that, um, that range, then you're going to appeal to much, much more. The difficult part in it is getting doctors to understand the difference in good, better, best. Um, most of the doctors, you know, they won't do anything that isn't best. Um, but yet patients will walk out and leave and go somewhere else because all they can afford is good. And so, you know, most of the time when I work with my clients, I truly try to help set realistic expectations of, look, what are you willing to do? How, what's that end result? You know, they always go, well, I want to send this to Da Vinci. That's fine. What is it, 300 bucks, 400 bucks a unit? you got to charge at least 1,500 bucks. You're not going to make any money. Right. But if we can get a, a comparable, not perfect, but a comparable crown from another lab for 125 or $150, where we can now pass that additional savings on to the patient, how many more are we going to do? And veneers aren't sold typically, I know they are sometimes, but typically they're not sold one at a time. And so anything, if we can bring $200 down on our fee per unit, you know, now for 10 units, we're coming down a couple grand. And so we can start to then apply some savings to the patient and make it more affordable for them. That's right. I mean, it's it's a very basic concept of economics. When you look at um, which cars are sold the most in any given country, it's not the Lamborghini, it's not the Mercedes, it's not the BMWs, it's the, the Hondas, the Hondas, the Toyotas, the Fords, and that's simply because in the Kias, you know, they have price points that the vast majority of the public can afford. And, and I, I like that concept, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that quality needs to be paid for. But at the same time, uh, there needs to be some consideration towards those that uh, which is the majority of people that are not millionaires you know you're catering to for the most part to the the middle and lower middle class or even low income um, but the fact of the matter is is that i don't think there should ever be an assumption that this person can't afford dentistry even if they say i can't afford it i can't afford it i can't afford it all right. of a sudden you give them the treatment plans they're like can i put gold on that that denture you know <laughs> or they're carrying a louis vuitton bag or they're carrying some expensive thirty thousand dollar ring you know um, never make those assumptions. I, I like what you do. I, I think what you do is a key component that many practices need to, should implement in an effort to build a revenue stream that will give them an excuse or an opportunity to become less dependent on insurance, start dropping the bottom feeders of insurance plans, attracting a clientele or a patient base that has needs in the realm of uh, higher-end dentistry you know, or cosmetic dentistry. So, so I'd like to uh, spend the next few minutes here, Logan, talking about the companies that you built to help doctors with this. You, you, you said that you've created your version of the before and after pictures. You have three companies, New Smiles, Logan Jack Dental Services, and Logan Jack Consulting. Um, can, can you talk about the New Smiles company and what they do there? Okay. So the New Smiles is the before and after uh, imaging. 
And that process, it's a very simple process. There's a few different levels or types of program. There's a standard, there's a basic, and there's a premium. And basically the difference, it's all unlimited photos a month. The difference is, is are we sending you a monthly supply of paper and ink? Are you printing these things and handing them out? Uh, are we sending you an iPad, a camera, what type of equipment and support you have to that? A lot of our offices pick the middle program, which is where they're delivering these on an iPad. Most patients are tech savvy. You know, we're trying to make it as efficient as we can. So when you're printing the photo and the assistant now has to print, oh, the printer's out of ink, where's the ink at? I've got to replace this. It becomes easy for the assistants to go, I'm just not going to do it. But when they can hand them an iPad, there's the before and after pictures right there. They're looking at it. Patient goes, wow, that I didn't realize my teeth looked that bad. And yes, I'm interested in it. We can email that photo directly to them off of that iPad or tablet. Um, very efficient, very simple process. Um, in there. Um, and so the new small uh, is is specifically and strictly cosmetic photo, we'll call it rendition or, or imaging right. in that aspect. How, how do you find out what it costs for the different options if, if a doctor's interested? Um, there, we have our website. Uh, basically, it's anywhere from you know, six hundred dollars a month to a thousand dollars a month. If you're wanting monthly auto ship supplies, paper, those kinds of things. But my website is newsmilesbyljds.com, and that should have all the information on there. Okay, so newsmilesbyljds. Sorry, missed the rest of that ljds.com.com. Okay, so I'll post that in the show notes. I appreciate you sharing that. So folks, Absolutely. check that out. Check that out in the show notes. I want to get to the next one, the Logan Jack Dental Services. So I understand that you do some recall services uh, there as well? We do. So <laughs> the reason I started this company was was because of what I went through and how difficult and how many painful, expensive lessons I learned personally from centralizing and creating a corporate office or call center. And so it was very difficult from finding the right way to route phone calls, training people how to, it's one thing to schedule uh, a particular office. Now you have 13 locations, you have 18 different dentists, um, and you have six people that are scheduling appointments for all of them. And that's just restorative, it becomes very difficult. And so in that process, it was something I became very fond of. And then in, in after I had left and, and started my, my company, which is Logan Jack Consulting, and I went out and said, okay, I'm just going to go back to consulting. It's what I've always done. It's what I know. And I primarily am I'm very selective in that aspect. I don't have very many clients, nor do I want very many. Um, if I don't want to work with that particular office, I typically don't. And most of the companies that I work with are either very high production offices, very efficient offices, um, or multiples um, and so in that aspect I have all these clients and they were you know I'm saying hey you're understaffed we need some extra help well in dentistry if you're not overstaffed you're understaffed right um, and the doctors have no clue what they do up front they know okay well we submit claims and they you know schedule patients and they verify insurance they have no idea how to do that no clue it is it is an absolute foreign language to them and so what happens is they come in here They've got some people at the front. Somebody gets pregnant. Now they're short-staffed. They get used to not having to pay that extra payroll. 
And so then we try to run on a skeleton crew as long as we can. And there is, there's many times where you really can't afford a full-time person, but you need some extra help. So we offer recall, we do insurance verification, we do credentialing there. Um, in my dental services side of things, uh, we do what I call, consider call center services, which is overflow call answering. You know, so it's phone system is set up however we want it to. You know, during your business hours, if a third ring, no one answers it, it'll roll to us. We'll answer the phone. We remote into the office. We schedule the appointment. We take messages. We put notes in the computer. We confirm appointments. Um, and then that way, nothing is going unmissed. We also have after hours phone calls. Um, where And I'm not a fan of prompt phone prompts, so let me start oh, there. I hate um, those. <laughs> during 8 to 5, never have those. Uh, after hours, it would kick on at 5, 6 o'clock whenever the office shuts down, and it would say if you're an existing patient, uh, press 1. If you're a new patient, you know, press 2. If you're a patient of record and you're having an emergency and you need to get a hold of Dr. Jones, press 3. And what it would do is forward to Dr. Jones' cell phone without giving the patient their cell phone. Um, but then those new patient phone calls would then come into uh, a representative who would then answer those phone calls at whatever time, Saturdays. Um, they would answer those phone calls from 6 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Um, and schedule those new patient phone calls specifically so we don't lose those. A lot of the time, especially, and I've learned this a long time ago with Travis, you know, we spend all this money in marketing and then we start to realize, wait a second, we're missing phones aren't being these answered. phone calls. Yeah. So then the offices, they pay a, a, a football fee, they, give a, they buy a cell phone, they give it to their, you know, staff, they rotate through, they give them X amount of dollars per weekend that they handle the phone. And let's be honest, if this person doesn't want to answer the phone, it's not very effective. And so <laughs> this way it's you're paying and, and you pay per patient, per scheduled patient. Um, so you're not paying, you know, for um, anything other than appointments. And so right. by doing that, those are all things that we, that I created and as I was there and, and part of the uh, major small organization to help push it to that, you know, $25 million a year that we were doing. And, the, the level of production and, and productivity that we were at was was really, really high. So recall is a big aspect of it that seems to be one of the most underserved areas on in our entire profession. You know, Lighthouse 360 and all these, you know, smile reminders and there's a hundred different electronic versions of this, but this is a, a combination of we manage the recall system. Um, it's phone calls. Um, it's following up. It's staying on top of it. And what happens is, is most offices I go to, I say, hey, when's the last time we did recall? Uh, Never. <laughs> did it a week ago. How many phone calls did you make? Five. Please don't fire me kind of thing, right? Right. Um, and I, I look at that and I turn to the doctor and I say, you know, you paid all this marketing cost. You, you know, you're paying $300 or $400, whatever it is, to acquire a new patient. They come in, they get their teeth cleaned, they get busy like I do, like you do, and they miss an appointment and then, boof, they're gone. And, you know, then we send them text messages and, and emails, which are changing. You know, they were very effective. I get text messages from my bank, from my kids' school. There's so many that I get now that I'm starting to treat that like direct mail, you know, or, you know, the it's just, I, I just kind of go, uh, if it doesn't jump out at me, then I'm going to throw it in the trash um, because there's so much of that stuff that's coming in. So, 
in all of our programs and the services that we offer, it's very specific to the location. So in the Logan Jack Dental Services side of things, it isn't a, this is how much everybody's recall is. Some people pay $500 a month for recall because they don't have but just a handful of spots we're filling each week or the, their recall, their overdue list isn't very long. Others can be $1,500 a month that have nothing but holes and nothing but names and people in a list to call. So it, it's very specific to what we need. A lot of what I'm seeing now that I'm creeping around here on the first year, ending the first year of this, is that it becomes kind of temporary. And, you know, hey, can you do this for three months? I've got this, my hygiene, or not my hygiene, my hygiene coordinator's out. And she's, you know, having a baby. I don't want to hire anybody new. It's going to overload the other girls. Sure, come in. We do the recall for three months. She comes back. We hand it back off to her. Same thing with collections and submitting claims and following up on um, unpaid claims, all those types of things. It becomes kind of like a, not a temporary service, but it's very flexible and very fluid in what the need is of the office. And so um, I created this specifically just to serve my doctors and my clients. And then they spoke of it to others, and then I got people calling me, and I thought, well, okay, I guess I should turn this into something else. But initially, it was just my way to support my offices and help them grow. And um, and it's now morphed into something very different. No, that's cool. I, <clears throat> I think that's – I actually started uh, a recall company – almost 10 years ago and it morphed into a marketing company and then sold those pieces and haven't touched it ever since. But I'm surprised to hear that recall is still an underserved. Actually, I can believe that uh, many of our clients recall is not a major focus. So if any of you are listening, uh, give Logan a call uh, and then you do consulting. And I think this is just obvious. I mean, you, you used to uh, run and operate a DSO and you learn so many great things from uh, an efficiency perspective as, as it pertains to the dental business that uh, uh, an area that you focus on as well, right? Absolutely. Cool. Well, Logan, if, if anybody wants to contact you outside of the New Smiles website, uh, newsmilesbyljds.com, anybody has questions about any of the content that you shared with us today or wants to learn more about you and your services, how can they get a hold of you? Absolutely. Um, our main office number is 832-680-2600. And my website for the two, the, the Logan Jack Consulting and LJ Dental Services, it's combined into one website, and it is um, ljdentalservices.com. Cool. ljdentalservices.com. We will post it on the show notes. And then uh, do you accept emails or direct calls from, from doctors? I do. Yep. There's um, there's absolutely, there's a, actually a place on there that you can schedule an appointment yourself um, on our contact us page. Uh, you can click in there and you can, to an extent, see my schedule and, and um, you don't have to talk to anybody. You can just put yourself on my schedule. Um, anytime, any questions that anybody has, I'm happy to answer. And, you know, I know that I don't, I can't answer the questions or every question that's asked of me, um, and I find myself referring out a lot to people like Travis and other companies that I work with as well. So I get a lot of questions that don't necessarily have anything to do with what I do, um, but I'm still happy to help direct and, and save people some headache. Cool. Well, th thank you, Logan. Logan, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners before we uh, call this a day? You know, no, I don't. Just I think that... Um, 
you know, if you're going to battle this PPO world that we're in, and I was having a conversation earlier about that from an office that was saying, okay, Logan, I want you to help me get out of some of these. Um, there's not a whole lot of, of things that you can do. Um, and I know the fear is very high, but things like your podcast, um, adding different services, and that's why most doctors, you know, they go do implants, and they're now they're, every general is doing ortho, and it's because they're trying to grasp at bigger ticket items to bring more revenue in so they can combat what these insurance companies are doing to us. And um, there's a way to do it, and there's a way to become less and less dependent on them. And when I've seen these offices wean themselves off on that dependency, they're happy. Um, you know, it's it's one thing if you're in an insurance network because you want to be. It's a different thing to be in an insurance company or an insurance network because you have to be. Right. And so... Um, That's the key there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I appreciate your perspective on this because I, I honestly believe that going out of network with PPO plans is possible. I think year-to-date we have... We personally know over 100 offices that have gone full PPO to full fee-for-service. And a lot of it had to do with what you're talking about. You're building a revenue stream. You're building a cosmetic area of the practice that hasn't really been focused on for years. Um, and you're, you're really building a different practice or you're changing the customer service aspect or that relationship with the patient. Tons and tons we can do to become less and less independent from, of PPOs. But uh, I highly encourage those that are listening to check out the um, the new smiles aspect of what Logan has to offer because I, I believe in that I've I've been sold on it before you know? <laughs> a very very ex- something that I thought was way outside of my my the budget that I wanted to spend um, but the reality is is that it's a different feeling when it's you it is an illustration of you it captures emotions from that person in a way that you've never as a pa- person and a patient never really experienced. So I can attest that Logan's techniques are bulletproof. They work and they're great. Logan, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. And we'll do some follow-up with you in the future as we uh, send some people your way and uh, like to uh, check in on the status of, you know, their success in terms of my goal of getting them off of PPOs, but first having them button up some of these areas of doing a little bit more cosmetics in their practice. But thank you so much for being with us today. We truly wish you the uh, the best of success as you move forward and uh, look forward to having you on the program again. Thank you so very much as well.